t-shirts in the shop. Just go to pgttcm.com. Check out all of our cool t-shirts and stickers. Heck, we even got some shower curtains in there. Keep clean. Look cool. Have cool stickers to put on stuff. Join us on Patreon and get a free sticker. Or don't. It's up to you. You're listening to KZOM, Olean Public Radio. Spitzer, and to my virtual across the way over there is Farmer Dave. Farmer Dave, how the heck are you doing this uh, Thanksgiving week? I am well, and if you close your eyes, you can virtually imagine that I am waving to you, the audience. I'm giving you a kind of a Pasadena Rose Queen uh, kind of uh, uh, sort of in best friend you haven't seen in years combo wave so just uh, imagine that well my friends all right all right uh as as the uh younger sibling of an actual rodeo queen i i I know exactly the wave that you speak of uh (laughs) so uh yeah no um i i i right now am in the portland metro area because of the fact that uh it is Thanksgiving week, and I have a lot of cooking to do. I I prepare huge amounts of food for friends and family, and uh, yeah, yeah. And you're you're an oleander because well, that's where your friends and family are. And, and, where, and uh, where your home is where your goats are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and and, and my goats and geese are in uh, Vancouver and Portland and the Portland metro area. So, Dave, what's going on in Oleander this week? Um, what's going down in Oblivions? I haven't had a chance. You know, I, I, I left Sunday, and uh, yeah. Well, well, every year they have the traditional uh, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Uh, then please, Charles Schultz Estate, don't sue us um, on all their advertising. But uh, I don't know, uh, As when you were a kid, did you ever watch all the, the Snoopy and Charlie Brown specials from the 60s? Oh, no, no. We uh, we didn't really watch those as a kid. Uh, we, we, we tend to watch, like, the brand new, up-to-date kind of stuff. And my parents would always be like, oh, let's watch. And I'd be like, uh, I don't know. I'd much rather watch uh, Ghostbusters Christmas special. <laughs> so you're, 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 You and your, you know, newfangled... Rudolph's shiny new year. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, yeah, no. So, um, so for for those few people who are listening, maybe uh, people internationally, Charlie Brown, of course, you know, was peanuts was a, a was a huge when I was a kid up until you know the, the I think the eighties and nineties when the the writer Charles Schultz passed. Mm-hmm. But it has some classic 
uh, holiday specials such as probably uh, the Christmas and Great Pumpkin, uh, but most you know also is the Thanksgiving special. Mm-hmm. And so the Thanksgiving special is that Charlie Brown's uh, friend uh, Peppermint Patty basically uh, twists his arm, uh, basically walks all over him. And to throw a Thanksgiving dinner for every for all their friends, but what happens is you know Charlie Brown apparently has no parents, mm-hmm. and so he turns to his beagle Snoopy, and they basically make a dinner out of what they have left, okay. which is jelly beans, toast, popcorn, and even though they don't mention it, but if you watch very carefully strawberry ice cream gotcha. so so oblivions mm-hmm. uh from noon to three they always have the charlie brown thanksgiving special so where you can go and get you know your thanksgiving popcorn and toast and jelly beans and strawberry ice cream cool 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 that's awesome uh yeah no i i I'm I'm doing heirloom turkey and yams and green beans with the French onions on top and yeah no I it's uh, generally about two three days of prep and then I get to wake up at 4 a.m. and start slow cooking uh, several birds uh, then it's on to starches. And uh, using a secondary oven as a warmer oven, and then finally pies and rolls. Everyone sits down at about 2.30. Uh, we don't really watch sports or anything like that. We tend to do things like watch Ghostbusters. Uh- <laughs> Oblivion's takes out the black jelly beans if you don't like them. Yeah, I, I saw the... Uh- I saw the uh, a sign uh, or a, a posting for it the other day right on the uh, Marble Madness machine. So I was like, oh, what's that about? And okay, cool. So now I know what the uh, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving is. I, I didn't know. Only thing I really know about the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving is that it's brought to you by Little Debbie. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no. It's, Maybe it's, it's, we should have Little Debbie's for dessert, too. <laughs> or is it, oh, man, I think it's little debbie that uh sponsors all those uh it it was it was a meme a couple years back but anyway uh you know and and this year you know it uh is the 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 stark twins uh birthday is falling on thanksgiving oh so you know marcy you know you know i'll get marcy you know maybe a pie or something just Uh drop it off at her house uh and then minion you know uh yeah, he's actually uh, instead of Thanksgiving, yeah. you know, where he says all the things he's thankful for. Uh-huh. Uh He's basically having it's all about me party because it's always all about him. Hmm. Well, he'll be the only one there. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so, Dave, Dave, uh, who 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 are our guests this week, and uh, what are we talking about? So we are talking to Richard Lee Byer, Ooh. who uh, is a longtime writer. Uh-huh. Uh, he has written uh, Lovecraftian fiction, such as uh, uh, The Hip Cats of Ulster. Okay. But he's got a project coming out in a couple of weeks that I'm really excited about, where he is writing a novelization 
that is authorized by Marvel. Wait, what? About basically um, the backstory of Himdall. Oh, of Himdall. And this is going to be the actual sort of Marvel character, uh-huh, uh-huh. not uh, I mean, from the comic books. Yeah. Uh, not uh, you know. Uh, Idris Alba's uh, interpretation. Sure, sure. Okay. okay. And he was, when I was a kid, uh, Himdall was always my favorite uh-huh. in, in North mythology. Oh, cool. Uh, what are the topics this week? So we are talking about something in my wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. We are talking about the homeland of Conan the Barbarian. Oh, very good. And we're kind of discussing. How, how do you pronounce it? Shauner Fawn. No, no, I was thinking, uh, 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 Cimeria or Chimeria. Chimeria? Chimeria. That's, that's, that's what I've always called it. Chimeria. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I tend to accidentally, and I know it's default, I tend to call it Cimeria, uh-huh, uh-huh. which of course is a real place where, uh, Howard probably borrowed, so I tend to default uh, to the inappropriate way. Mm-hmm. And then we are talking about the evil elephant god, and and how do you pronounce this? Because I've always pronounced it wrong too. Oh, I I, I don't think there's a uh, pronouncing stuff wrong necessarily. I pronounce it Shonerfon, and uh, I, I recall a conversation that I had with Ken Height, and Ken. Uh, pronounced it a totally different way, and we both pronounced it our totally different ways while we were talking about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and, and Ken is probably absolutely right. Oh, uh, I don't I know. It's probably called like Chunga Funga. I think it sounds <laughs> funny, but yeah, you know, in, in a lot of ways, we're we're kind of the we're the the evil universe. Uh, Ken and Robin Laws, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're the poor man's uh, Ken Height and, and Robin Laws. So okay, that, all right. Uh, sometimes, I, sometimes when I want to get really sort of uppity and personal, I call them CF. <laughs> I like that. We're we're the uh, we're the uh, I don't know uh, variant. <laughs> Ken and Robin talk about stuff. Yeah. Dave and DB talk about nothing. <laughs> all right, all right, back to the show. So, uh, let's see. First, let's let's talk about this uh, place that Conan's from. Dave's Um, yes, and you know I'm I'm a huge Robert E. Howard fan. Yeah, and, you know people know me that you know we have two Christmases. We have the regular Christmas, mm-hmm. and then we have Robert E. Howard Christmas. You know, yeah. in my house. So, um, so Robert E. Howard, unlike Lovecraft, he wrote a lot. He wrote all sorts of things. In yeah. fact, he probably made more money writing towards the end of his life writing basically western comedies than anything else yeah um and so he wrote um this story he came out with king cole mm-hmm. 
And King Cole was basically the story of a Atlantean, basically slave to King. And uh, again, to, to, to borrow from Mr. Hyde, he kind of wrote himself in a corner. Yeah. So uh, he came up with basically this terrible writer's blog. So he spent two or three weeks driving up and down uh, across you know the Texas Mexican border. Uh, in his own words, eating, you know, uh, lots of enchiladas and drinking a lot of cheap Spanish wine. Mm -hmm. And he created the Hyborian Age, which is this basically essay of this land between Atlantis and between now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he, this is, so he created this place so his character Conan can just basically travel all around. Very cool. So he wouldn't yeah. have the writer's block that he had mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and with um, uh, King Cole. And one of it is, of course, Samaria or Chimeria or Chimeria. Yeah, yeah. And this, of course, you notice though, I always... It, he names it after Hyborians, mm-hmm. which are basically one of the Sumerians' enemies. Yeah. You know, he doesn't call this the, the Sumerian Age, but these are obviously very important people to him mm-hmm. because he, you know, his main character comes from there. Yeah. And they're basically based on what he called, what referred to at the time, as the Black Irish. Yeah. That's why, you know, Conan's not blonde. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, he, he, cause, cause, you know, Robert E. Howard wasn't blonde. Yeah. Uh, so these are basically, you take the, uh, no, or this, you know, the black Irish, the Celts, you put them up on mountains and you got this, the Sumerians, yeah. which is where we get Conan. All right. Um, now there are some actually really good books on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Uh, I'm going to say role-playing books because Modefius, I don't know uh, if you played uh, their uh, Conan, new Conan game, no. but not only does it just, I would recommend it if you're a huge um, Howard fan or Conan fan, but you have nothing, you don't you don't want to play role-playing games, mm-hmm. this is worth it. It's really written by people who love Howard's works, yeah working with Howard scholars mm-hmm. uh, so it's worth picking up and I think the PDF is like 20 bucks oh, cool. just to, to get that information yeah um, so it, there's some really good you know sources out there now okay um, but yeah so that's basically here it's Conan's people but it is also what Howard thought, an idealized version of his people. And so the, in the Iberian Age, which has been sort of the Bible for, you know, uh, Sprague the Camp, or Roy Thomas is going to use this for, uh, you know, the comic books. Um it basically makes Sumerian, and this was very important in the 30s and the 40s, the Proto-Indo-European people. Mm-hmm. And not to get too far off, but where Howard is having fun sort of telling the story, 
this is where we're going to get a lot of the false ideas about Aryans. Okay. And, and so, in ways, the, the Sumerians are sort of... And, and our concept... Our concept of the Aryans, the, mm-hmm. the true Aryans, are short, swarthy Indian people who came across the um, you know Himalayas into Europe. Yeah, they're not these you know tall blonde people. Yeah, who the idea for the, the Aryans is the tall blonde people come from a book called a, a fantasy book called the Coming Race, mm-hmm. where they basically crashed in a meteorite. Yeah, and so this is—I don't think that Howard ever saw that, but this is sort of his answer to 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 the coming age, even though or coming race, even mm-hmm. though I don't think he he ever read that yeah. fiction book. Uh, what do you have on for the Sumerians? Okay, um, I know that they have rabbits and deer, but no snakes. Yes. <laughs> it's a snakeless uh, place. <laughs> which, again, that's Ireland. Yeah. That's yeah. Ireland. Uh, <laughs> and that's, that, that's what know, I wanted to bring pa- up. Patrick Legends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's... Uh... Well, it's uh, it's it's supposed to be the landmass between, I think, Scotland and Denmark, uh, which at you know the period of time that this would have existed, it would have been above the ocean, and I I don't know how much thing like that that Howard knew or how much of that was in the common uh, common knowledge at that point in time. You know, I I, I know these guys read. Uh, science magazines and were obsessed with like pop science and that kind of stuff. A lot of them were, especially Lovecraft. And I know that they all wrote each other with ideas about like, oh, what if we took this stuff that we we now know, like talking about Pluto or talking about like ancient archaeology, uh, you know, and like Antarctic it, exploration. Yeah, yeah. Or or like, oh, hey, uh, check out this thing that uh, Madame Lebatsky wrote. I mean, what if we take these ideas and like these ancient peoples that she talks about what if we write about that you know there's there's a lot of stuff like that between uh the 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 main three the main five the main ten of the weird fiction uh writing circles that really existed then and i don't know where i'm going with this but i i don't know how much howard knew but i think it's pretty cool that he's like oh yeah it's here and the fact is is that you know at that period of time that would have been a place where people live and and, and so uh, bringing a little bit more what's happening in the 20s and mm-hmm. the 30s is you take a map and you go oh wait a minute south america sort of fits into you know africa like a a puzzle piece yeah and, and you know the appalachian mountains are you know and at the sea bank and then the atlas mountains mm-hmm. so it's very obvious that this was all one one place yeah. at one time, and that's where we get Pangea, mm-hmm. and that's going to be very well known. Known, it's going to be a a, um, a geologist, a scientist named uh, Wagner. Okay. You know, is going to to, to so it's going to be well known, mm-hmm. and it's it's obvious that Howard knew this. Okay, but the problem back then is they couldn't they didn't understand continental drift. So they, they had a lot of different theories. I mean, it was obvious that they were all one piece, mm-hmm. but nobody knew why it was separated. Gotcha. 
And is this why we get like uh, islands jetting up and down in Lovecraft stories? I wonder. <laughs> well, I suspect because because um, Wagner is going to be well known. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wagner is going to be well known. Uh, it, it just you know his basic theory kind of is like the bulldozer theory that yeah. that you know but. Which was wrong, but there's no way he could have understood plate tectonics in the 20s and the 30s. Sure, sure. All right. Cool. Man, uh, what what else do we have on this place? That's, you know, and, and, and so that's one of the things. I mean, we know, of course, that they worship Krom, mm-hmm. they're, they're tribal, but y- you notice um, Conan's from there. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't stay there very long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, he's got this whole continent to 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 explore. You know, he's got Aquilania to capture and become the king. Yeah. So you know, he never becomes the king of uh, of uh, Chimeria. Mm-hmm. He becomes the king of Aquilonia. Yeah. Um, and I think that was sort of that was Howard's genius in this. Mm-hmm. That this is the uh, the starting off. This is who he, he was from. Mm-hmm. But Conan's is very... He doesn't dwell on the past very much. Maybe yeah. you get revenge once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, 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 he he's this very forward future, not like me, progressive. He's he's thinking about to, tonight, tomorrow. Yeah. Not as dwelling on where he came from, but as to who he can conquer. Ooh. Nice. So, so, you know, and I, I think there's a lot of things that are maybe left to imagination, mm-hmm. because and and a lot of the a lot of these blanks are going to be filled by uh, Lynn Carter, sure. uh, Ellsberg the Camp, you yeah. know, Roy Thomas, mm-hmm. uh, even uh, even uh, you know when we think of Tamirian, we, we think of the the scene from the Conan movie. Yeah. So um, I think a lot of people brought in uh, sort of uh, their own ideas afterward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I would love if the audience have anything they want to share or any feelings that they had. Yeah, I, I, I personally, I want to check out these RPG books because it seems like they kind of distill kind of the coolest or, I don't know, maybe the best to use for RPG elements of the various Conan stories, uh, whether it be Howard or uh, Carter or pulled from like the screenplay. But yeah, no, it sounds pretty cool. And I, and, and the Modiphius ones are probably, this is, you know, there have been... Um, GURPS Conan, yeah, a couple of Conan for D and D adventures when the movies came out, okay, and then two versions of D and D, Mongoose and one other. Huh. Uh, by far, uh, Modiphius is the most Conan Conan game. Okay, cool. All right. Well, that's that's it for. Uh, <laughs> Chimeria, I guess, for right now. Uh, we'll probably talk about it when we get to the COs and start talking about Conan. Uh, all right. Hey, Dave, thanks so much for what I'm going to call Dave's Corner of the Podcast for this week. Up next, we've got... Dave's uh, Corner of Chimeria. Yeah. Uh, up next, we've got an interview with who? 
with Richard Lee Byer. Nice, nice. We're going to find out some stuff, and then we're going to talk about Shauner Fawn, the horror from the hills, which, I don't know, if, if, if you're a long-time listener, or if you've gone through the back catalog, hopefully, hopefully, the episode... Uh, Hills still exists, which I think was season two or three, where I talked about Shauner Fawn uh, and Silent Hill, or the Silent Hills uh, series. Okay, cool. Uh, we'll see you after the break, and well, no, I guess we'll see you after two breaks. And all right. This episode is brought to you by Psychedelic Water. Psychedelic Water is mild psychedelics, legal mild psychedelics, suspended in tea and then put into a can and then shipped to you. You can get a shipment of it weekly. Get a subscription to it, have it sent to you. Links in the show notes. Check it out. It is really nice. I like it a little bit more than CBD. Honestly, it really helps my anxiety and helps me chill out. But hey, if for some reason or another you can't get psychedelic water, check out Golden Goat CBD. They got CBD, they got CBD gummies, they've got chewables, they've got droppers, they've got uh, salts for in the bath. I don't want to see bath salts because then people think of like people eating people's faces in Florida. Uh, oh, oh, hey, something that is awesome. Copper cow pour over coffee from Vietnam. Vietnamese pour over coffee. This is so good. I just picked up the churro. It was really good. I normally just love a black coffee. Their black coffee is amazing. And Sarah, my partner, she had the creamer with just the black coffee and she was like, this is really good. Pour over coffee. Have you had pour over coffee? It's so good. It's really, really good. And speaking of really, really good, Taza Chocolates has some amazing stuff this winter. Check out their peppermint bark. They have some really good vegan peppermint bark, and you're going, ugh, vegan chocolate. They use almond milk instead of milk milk. It is so good, and I can eat it without getting sick, which is really nice. All right. Well, hey, we've got some Lee... Uh, Richard Lee Boyer coming up uh, talking about some stuff that I'm still surprised that Dave Dave got Richard Lee Boyer on the show so this is exciting so hey check the show notes for sponsors find out who sponsors us who keeps the show going and you help, help you know help them out because they help us out all right Thank you once again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that'll tell you how to support the show, how to support our guests. And thank you to all of our guests who you can find in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe. And remember, patrons get priority access to asking us questions, suggesting topics, even, I don't know, uh, submitting stuff. Actually, you don't have to be a patron to submit anything. That's how Dave got on the show, and that's how you can get on the show, too. It's the People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Thank you for listening. Back to the show. Well, welcome back, and this is the interview portion of our show, and I am really excited because today we've got 
Richard Lee Byers, who uh, is, you know, writes about, and we're going to talk about, some of my favorite stuff. Uh, Richard, thank you for being on the show. Could you maybe introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, I'm uh, Richard Lee Byers. I write fantasy and horror mainly. Uh, currently, I'm doing uh, Marvel Legends of Asgard novels for uh, Aconite Books, and uh, a lot of people know me for my... Uh, uh, Forgotten Realms novels that I did, and uh, I've, I've done a lot of stuff in a lot of different worlds over the years. A lot of uh, a lot of shared world stuff, but some of my own stuff that's all my own too. Excellent. Well, can, let, can you tell us a little bit about uh, about the, your new project and uh, it, it's Rebels of it's Vanheim or Vanheimer? Vanheim. I guess. Yeah, Vanheim is one of the uh, nine worlds of. Uh, Norse mythology, which means it's also one of the uh, nine worlds of uh, Norse mythology as interpreted by Marvel Comics. And uh, I've been writing about the early days of the uh, god uh, Heimdall, and uh, this is a story about him that uh, is set, a lot of it's set in Vanheim, although it goes to other places in the nine worlds as well. Excellent. So, you know, when I said we were going to be talking about some of my favorite things, which are, are comic books, but when I was a kid, I was obsessed with Norse mythology. And of all of all of the, the gods, Heimdall was my favorite. Oh, really? That's very yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I, I honestly don't know why, but maybe but, it was the Rainbow Bridge or maybe, you know, he seemed, you know, Thor seemed, I mean, not in Norse, but I mean, not in Marvel, but in North mythology, Thor is kind of dumb. This is true, you know. And and Loki was, you know, the bad bull kid, you know. But for Heimdall, just the, the he's the one that I um, associated most with most with when I was eight and nine. Uh, did you get to pick that it was about Heimdall, or did? Uh, well, you, what you do is you uh, you pitch some ideas and um, about various characters. And um, and for various you know strains of the uh, Marvel line that the Aconite is doing because um, Marvel Legends of Asgard is one part of it. They've also got Marvel Heroines, uh, Marvel Untold, uh, a, a strain that's uh, all about the mutants whose title overall title is escaping me at the moment. But anyway, I pitched a lot of ideas and. Uh, some of the ideas, one of the ideas I pitched was for Marvel Legends of Asgard that involved Heimdall, who I I kind of jumped on for a couple reasons. One was that um, at this point in the relationship with Marvel, Aconite is is kind of uh, being steered clear of the kind of super A-list characters in a number of cases. Okay. So, um, I, although there have been some stories that featured them, so um, so the yeah, I was kind of I was encouraged to uh, look at uh, beyond you know Thor and Loki, and I thought, well, Heimdall is a heroic character that would be fun to write about, and um, if you look at uh, Norse mythology as interpreted by Marvel, there hasn't been a lot that they've done which touches on his early days. So I thought, well. It'd be fun to tell the story of how he evolves from being a, a callow young warrior to the uh, character in classical Norse mythology and also in Marvel Comics that we all know, who's this important god who's the guardian of the Rainbow Bridge. So I started doing books that uh, 
take him on that journey. The first book was um, The Head of Beamer, which came out last year. And then we've got the second book, which is uh, The Rebels of Anaheim, which comes out uh, in December in the U.S. And uh, I think it's February in the U.K. Excellent. Excellent. Um, Yeah, so is this more... I mean, obviously, this is your interpretation of him. Is it more do you draw from... Uh, mythology or the comic books or uh, is it any of it based on uh, 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 Idris Elba's version on the MCU or okay well the books that we're doing are very much based on the Marvel comics universe as opposed to the Marvel cinematic universe that that sounds fine to me yeah we writers were told to look to that for our source material rather than the movies or the Disney plus TV shows so I mean, as far as I'm sorry, did you also ask about the how much is classic Norse mythology and how much is Marvel kind of? Yeah, if you could go into that, I would love to hear that. Okay, well, I tried to. Well, obviously, you're going to. Obviously, you're going to draw on, uh, you know, Marvel's basis because it's all you know, Marvel's Legends of Asgard. But I was I've been able to finesse it a little bit by writing about uh, things that happen. you know, very early in the uh, history of Asgard and its associated realms. So, um, you know, it's so like I said, because like I said, it's the origin of, of Heimdall basically. So uh, since I'm way back in time, I can, uh, I can draw on Norse mythology fairly heavily without, um, without, you know, contradicting anything that Marvel has got. Mm. Although I do use I do use pieces of Marvel, of course, to uh, you know wherever it's appropriate. Like uh, a big part of the uh, plot of the first book, The Head of Beamer, is about uh, revolves around the Odin sleep, which is a Marvel thing. Oh, okay, yeah. Where Od- Odin kind of goes into hibernation periodically. Excellent, uh, and, and it sounds like too. Do you, you got a little bit? Maybe you can bring your own new things into the into the world. Um, yeah, I try. You you want to be careful about uh, introducing, I guess you know, too much that's radically new, or people are gonna who come into it wanting a Marvel story, gonna read it and say, well, that'd feel a whole lot like a Marvel story. But within certain limits, certainly you can um, you can uh, you know use your own imagination and your own ideas. I've got. Um, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm able to bring the same creativity to bear on this that I'm able to bear on any other book that I write. Excellent. What, what maybe um, on your other books, what are some of the other um, inspirations besides, uh, you know, obviously more, uh, Marvel and North mythology, but what are some of your other inspirations? Okay, well, I wrote... Um I've got a series of stories about a character named Selden, who's a fencing master and kind of a part-time troubleshooter in this uh, kind of Renaissance-ish fantasy series city. And oh. uh, and um, that they were those the ones I've done so far are collected in a little book called uh, This Sword for Hire. If anybody wants to go looking for it on Amazon, um, and uh, my inspiration for that was basically. Um, well, I, I I did fencing for a lot of years, and I really like uh, sword play and swashbuckling stuff. So I've, I've got that. But also the character is, um, you know, kind of a fantasy 
private detective. He doesn't think of himself as a detective per se, but uh, his um, his his adventures always pretty much always involve solving some kind of mystery, which other people haven't been able to see through. And I've read a lot of Private Eye stories, so <laughs> you can you can see the influence there. Uh, noir. I, excuse me. Oh, noir. Is there a noir influence on them? Oh. Probably, yeah, I would to a degree. Although, you know, I'm more, you know, I, I, I if, if there's a distinction between noir and kind of hard-boiled private eye print fiction, I'm probably a little more towards the hard-boiled private eye print fiction than something like The Postman Always Wears Black or The Bride Wore Black. Although, you know, I am familiar with and do appreciate those things. So, sort of uh, Mickey Spillane and. Well, kind of, yeah, kind of, but maybe more Raymond Chandler and uh, oh, okay, Dasha Hammett and uh, Ross McDonald and uh, those guys, which are some pretty good inspirations there. Yeah. And of course, when I was growing up, I read all the um, all the science fiction, fantasy, and horror that was current at that time, and also the old stuff that. Uh, from the pulps that was just getting reprinted. So I've certainly been influenced by uh, Howard and Lovecraft and Paul Anderson and Rogers Lasney and a lot of guys like that. So, um, and I was kind of going to ask you about that because ostensibly we are, you know, the people's guide to Cthulhu mythos. We're not exclusively, but how, how did you discover Lovecraft? I remember that when I was quite young, I was looking at, uh, this bookshelf that my grandparents had that had a very random collection of books. Oh. And uh, I maybe because different people had, you know, thrown a book on there at different times or whatever, but uh, one of the books was um, called Best Supernatural Stories of H.P. Lovecraft. And I took that down and I read it, and that was my introduction. All his, pretty much all his best stuff really was in there. All the... Uh, all the Cthulhu mythos stuff, the best Cthulhu mythos, so which I personally like better than the Dreamland stuff. All of the Dreamland yeah. stuff has is some, some good parts to it. Yeah, maybe put you a little bit spot here, but um, and this week and next week we're we're kind of talking a little bit about Robert E. Howard, which is one of my favorite authors ever. Uh, how did you discover Howard? Um, well, like I said, when I was when I was a teenager. Um, it was the era when all this stuff from the uh, pulps was being reprinted. Yeah. And uh, a company called Lancer Books that I don't think is around anymore was doing all the uh, Conan stuff. Yes. And uh, it was very successful, and they went on to do other stuff like, uh, you know, Call and Solomon Kane. Yeah. And, uh, you know, his, I, I believe his horror stories. And anyway, I, so I got into it uh, through uh, the Lancer Books reprints. Excellent, excellent. And, and they're, they're beautiful, provocative covers. Yeah, Frank Frazetta did the covers for those, and they're really beautiful. Excellent. Now, um, this is sort of our, our, our general question for the, for the show, but if you could be in charge of any project, any medium, uh, don't worry about copyright, don't worry about money, What's your dream project? Okay. Well, my dream project would probably be absolute dream project would probably be something that I, you know, 
created myself because that's kind of how you get to be a superstar i think sure sure but um but if we're talking about uh you know work that other people have done that i would piggyback onto um i really like the um Graymaster and fofford stories by fritz Leiber. oh yeah uh, and I love those. Having a run at Conan or any of really any of Howard's heroes would be fun, since for my taste, they have yet to be done properly. Yeah. Um, there's a book by Paul Anderson called The Broken Sword, which uh, is is kind of a historical fantasy that uh, taps into a lot of Norse mythology. I'd love to do that one. Oh wow. Uh, there's. Um, Really, there's all kinds of stuff. I, like I said, I've uh, I've been fortunate enough to uh, assimilate a whole bunch of science fiction, fantasy, and horror. I probably I probably would go more towards um, fantasy at this point. Although I think that probably if science fiction, fantasy, and horror, just based on the evidence, fantasy seems to be the one that's the most difficult to do. Okay. With proper impact, I'm talking about the you know the real swords and castles and wizards kind of fantasy. There are not too many, to my taste, good books or, 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 or no, no, there are plenty of good books. There are not too many good movies or uh, TV series that uh, really capture the feel of that. And I'm not I'm not totally sure why that is, but I like to be try to beat the curse. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, if I had any, and uh, especially a Howard project, uh, Robert E. Howard project, he had a Louisiana slash Arkansas sheriff named Justin Kirby, who was um, most famous probably for the Pigeons of Hell. I would right. love to see his story continued. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pigeons from Hell is a great story. Oh, it's it's amazing. Yes. Um. So, um, your new book's coming out just in time for Christmas, right? Yeah, it's got, uh, they pushed it, I looked at the release date on Amazon, and they pushed it back uh, a couple weeks, which I thought was unfortunate, but it is still, um, it's still before, December before Christmas. Okay, excellent. Um, and you can get that through Amazon, probably any any online books, uh, uh, bookseller, correct? I would imagine so and hope so, but Amazon's the one I've actually checked. Okay, yeah. Uh, what about your other books? Uh, would it best to go through Amazon, or do you have your own webpage? Uh, I don't actually have my own webpage. Everybody tells me I should, and I'm just too lazy, disorganized to get it together, I guess. But um, but uh, pretty much everything that I've done, if you look me up by a name on Amazon, you'll find it all listed. And there's okay. the you know, there's I've been around a while, so there's page after page after page of it. But whether you want my current Marvel stuff or my um, Forgotten Realms stuff, or I have a collection of most of the Cthulhu Mythos stories I've written called the Hepcats of Althar okay. um, that some of your readers might like. Uh, but anyway, you can breeze through, you can browse through that, and uh, like I said, find pretty much everything I've done. So, so part of the show, we have a, a section, me and uh, DB, we have D&D on D&D. And I will have to say what my favorite probably D&D fantasy setting is Forgotten Realms. I, I love that setting. 
Yeah, I loved working it, and it was, um, it was, um, you know, I got to write some books that I'm really proud of, and uh, Ed Greenwood, you know, and and, and his uh, kind of his associates you know, done such a fantastic job of creating that, uh, you know, that uh, IP, and uh, I got to know him, and then I got to know uh, Bob Salvatore and a bunch of cool people. It, it was a great experience. I was very. Uh, disappointed when uh, they decided that uh, from now on they would only publish uh, books by Bob and the rest of us uh, you know we're, we're not gonna have any more opportunities yeah, but, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that Bob still gets books I mean Bob's a big great guy and a great writer and uh, his books were the big sellers so they're smart that they're at least continuing those but sure. the rest of us wish we could still play in the sandbox too oh I bet I bet well, it has been a pleasure uh, talking to you, and uh, we will ha- include some links here so that uh, our listeners can see, uh, uh, you know, where they can get your stuff. But thank you so much for for being part of our show. Oh, I was glad to do it. It was fun. everyone we are back was that really two breaks that was really two breaks oh wow yeah i know all right everyone we are back and dave how 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 are you doing um, i'm well okay I'm well we're like i said it's always a busy time this yeah. time of year you yeah. know getting ready for uh uh, the bad weather, uh, ghost pirates, and yep, yep. killer clowns. But you know, that's just the weather. That's all here. we under. All right. Well, I, I, yeah. Uh, it's it's actually kind of like slightly nice outside in Portland today. So it's I don't know. I'm not going outside. It's super cold. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, we're talking about Shauner uh, Fawn, the horror from the hills, and how to use it in your campaign. Which I guess the easiest way is like have a statue that comes to life. <laughs> no, no, absolutely, and, and then especially in like D and D, it is. Um, you know, you you got living statues and you got uh, golems. Um, just a little bit, though, I think maybe. Uh, I think it's first of all really apt talk topic because you know I first heard of Chonner Farm from from the Call of Cthulhu role playing game, and I think he's really been added to in the Call of Cthulhu games. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, but before before we go too far, I yeah. think we got to kind of acknowledge his source mm-hmm. which is frank belknap belongs the horror from the hills yes very much so yeah which was published i believe in 1931 1932 Ooh. in um amazing stories or one of them but it was published as a book uh by arkham house uh in 63 oh okay all right yeah, no, I I know I definitely read it sometime in the '90s and thought it was great. I've reread it uh, in the last couple of years for the podcast, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely something that I run across in RPGs, uh, specifically Call of Cthulhu, the D20 Call of Cthulhu as well. I really like the illustration for the D20 Call of Cthulhu, but yeah, um, and, and just real quickly, sort of throw out on the author. Frank Belknap Long mm-hmm. 
he is considered by many scholars to be the first person to write a mythos story that was not Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah. And that is his other sort of classic, and the big thing that I think he's well known for is The Hounds of Tenedalus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's uh, some pretty cool stories that uh, Frank Belknap Long wrote, uh, and this this is one of them. And yeah, Shauner Fawn is an elephantine-looking statue, like a uh, uh, rock-looking uh, body, crystalline trunk, uh, ears that are kind of big and floppy, like an elephant's, uh, closer to an Asian elephant than an African elephant's ears. But instead, uh, oh, there's tendrils, like little tentacles with webbing in between them and a snout that uh, ends in kind of a lampreyish uh, mouth for blood-sucking, because Shauner Fawn is a statue that comes alive and sucks blood. Yes, and, and you know, and I think if you're doing this in, in a game or something, um, probably not the way that Frank Belknap Long had sort of mentioned, but a lot of people, I think, when they first thing they think, it's sort of an evil Ganesh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which is, you know, the Indian elephant god. And, yeah. and there's a very good chance, I think, that Long was thinking about Ganesh. At sure. least. But you think about it, what the English did, and you know, they plundered India, and that kind of follows this story that these archaeologists take the statue back. Mm-hmm. So that could very much be, I think, a D&D sort of game. Oh, sure. So that you're 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 hired by the king to invade this other, you know, country and steal their idol, and yay! Now we have their idol. You guys are heroes. Yay! Well, all of a sudden, the idol starts destroying people. Now it's turn on the players. They've got to destroy it or they become the enemy. Kind of, and sort of like from the Bible when I think, I forgot which tribe stole the uh, Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. And then they got cursed. Yeah. So, you know, you could you could have a whole campaign that you go get this idol to say your country is better than this other people's country, mm-hmm. defend it, and then, oops, now this, because, you know, they, they come and try to get it back, you sure. fight them off, and then all of a sudden you got this idol uh, killing your villagers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you could do something where you... I don't know, uh, your party is responsible for moving a statue from point A to point B, where it'd be like, you know, it's like it's going to be across land, across sea and stuff like that. And, you know, at first, like, just some weird stuff starts happening. And then it's like crew members of the boat start disappearing. And it's like, what's going on? I don't know. You could do that kind of slow burn mystery kind of thing uh, where, you know, it's 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 probably pretty obvious from the beginning that it's the statue. But hey, if you're going to role play... Or, or, or use that against your players. <laughs> Definitely. It's not the statue, but Ooh. the secret cult of ninjas that are hiding, you know, stab the person and then put blood on the hand of the statue. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or cultists of the uh, god itself. But the statue itself isn't doing the killing it's it's the secret members of the cult of uh sean or fawn that uh plan on stealing the statue but want to make it look like the statue's doing all the killing first 
so that when they steal the statue, that people are like, thank God that statue's gone. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, I think it also uh, sort of, you know, we talked a little bit about Conan today, but the other, and I'm pretty sure it was written a couple of years after this, mm-hmm. so maybe an influence. It is you know the the Conan story where he climbs in the tower mm-hmm. and he finds a very sympathetic elephant, you know, alien entity mm-hmm. that is you know tortured and he puts it out of its misery. Yeah. But you know, your players are going in thinking you know Sean or Fawn, this is this evil evil being. Well, maybe not in this game. Maybe especially if it's a D and D game as opposed to Call of Cthulhu game, it's sort of maybe this. Very empathetic figure that's trapped, mm-hmm. that that is trying to warn you about the cult that sort of grew up around it, that it doesn't like and doesn't doesn't support. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, something else to think about with Sean or Fawn is. Uh, I I, I want to say that um, Sean or Fawn isn't necessarily the statue, but uh, a form, an avatar of Sean or Fawn in some writings. Like, you can have multiple statues of Sean or Fawn, or, like, lesser Sean or Fawn kind of thing. I think there's, like, a, a bunch of, like, Sean or Fawn, uh, children of Sean or Fawn, or something like that, on the plateau of Lang, uh, in various things that I've read. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it, it, it's one of the first, uh, you know, great old ones that turns uh, basically people into a copy of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we're going to see that with Yenolgnac uh, and even the Thralls of Cthulhu. Yeah. Uh, so this is one of the first stories where, um, you know, it the it, its worshippers, or I think in this case sometimes not even willing worshippers, basically take the physical manifestations mm-hmm. Of, of of the creature, and I'm pretty sure there's a throwout line too that he's not alone, that he has four or five brothers. Yeah, and and again, I don't think that was really maybe maybe Long was planning on writing more stories and he didn't. Mm-hmm. But you know, oh yeah, we 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 uh, we destroyed Sean uh, Vaughn now we've got to deal with Bubba Fong, you know, and the brothers come after him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, and that's, that's, I, I think that's kind of like what, what an, I don't know, it's, it's, it's like when you think it's done, it's not done. It's just, you've, you've encountered a little part of it kind of thing. And it, it, I don't know, it, I guess it's, it's, it's like in this place that you can't reach necessarily easily, there exists an evil that isn't as uh, cut and dry as, but an, uh, an, an, an evil that uh, isn't necessarily stoppable. Like it's, it's, it's like, you think you have it done, but then it's like, oh yeah, no, we're 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 pretty much the same thing as that. That was, you know. It's... <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, the other thing I kind of like, and maybe mm-hmm. in the, at the end, you know, the mystics and the scientists have to come together to yeah. defeat it, and, and they basically create is what an entropy ray, yeah, which it was basically a Ghostbusters proton pack, yeah. yeah. Uh, so definitely you could be sort of inspired of um, you know science versus raging monster story yeah weird science well like you know uh, that's 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 so 
oh man, that's so weird fiction. That's so pulp. That's 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 just very kind of cool. It's like, it's it's not like Lovecraft. Like, oh, we have to make the powder of Ibn Ghazi. It's like, no, we have to make a ray. <laughs> and, and, and there are weird science gadget rules mm-hmm. in the you know the uh, Chaosium's pulp Cthulhu. Yeah, yeah. So you know maybe you know so there's uh, and there's also you know. You know, and, and and I could bag on the Raj all, all you know, all day. And there mm-hmm. obviously were terrible things done to the Indian people. Yes, but it's also this very sort of beautiful period of time, mm-hmm. beautiful architecture, yeah, beautiful, you know, printings. It's 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 just, it's a very interesting place to set. A setting, okay. either a Call of Cthulhu adventure or a, a medieval version of India, okay. which is, I think, I, I, I think there's just so much options there that that people are missing. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, I definitely think that you know, you know, you, you do some sort of, you know, cult of Kali, but uh, Chandrafar mm-hmm. uh, setting in India. Yeah. Uh, and there's not a lot of. I mean, there is the, the mysteries of the Raj. You can get uh, from uh, K. I, I think Chaosium Printer or one of the other companies. But it, it's. I think it, it opens doors to give a more Indian influence campaign. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, no, I've always personally liked using Shauner Fawn as like, well. You took something from some place you shouldn't have, and now you have to deal with the consequences. And, oh yeah, now your personal assistant is slowly turning into an elephant thing, and people in your museum are dying. <laughs> and it could even be, saying, if we take this as sort of a, an evil version of a Ganesh, yeah. Ganesh is, you know, uh, the protector of merchants. Yes. So, you know, you could have people breaking into, like, 7-Elevens or something, and, and then all of a sudden, these, you know, thieves are just dying like they're being trampled. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and maybe, and maybe it, you know, make it a little bit more sympathetic, maybe it's, you know, the it, it starts off thieves, but then starts going on to, to competitor business and by no means am I associating this with with Ganesh but I think that Ganesh was the inspiration to some part by uh, uh, long mm-hmm. and so I, I'm by no way uh, attacking you know people's belief in Ganesh sure but if if you if you're gonna sort of make him an, an evil sort of counterpart you know he could be going after other merchants, be they, you know, uh, convenience store people or caravans. Okay. Why convenience stores? Well, because I just, uh, when I grew up in California, there were quite a few convenience store, uh, Ganesh statues in the Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, I I did not grow up with that in the Pacific Northwest, so <laughs> I was like, yeah. wait a minute, why convenience stores? <laughs> Yeah, you, you could say, you know, you could also, you know, um, the other thing that I think is sort of uh, important mm-hmm. is um, 
it is it's also linked to the Mary Megini or how do you pronounce that? Oh, oh, um, the uh, Mary Negri, I think. Yeah, Mary Negri, which eventually become the, the Chocho people. people. Yeah. So you could definitely have some sort of setting in a, a, a modern Chinatown, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. you know, or or um, you know, you could you know, let's shake things up. Let's let's you know, set it in Beverly Hills or someplace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, something that I like to say is. Um, I don't necessarily like to do the traditional thing of, like, having the Chocho be, like, uh, Asian Americans or Pacific Islanders or something like that. Uh, I, I think Chochos look and can be, like, anyone. Um, they just have, like, I don't know, uh, eyelids that close differently, like, a second set of eyelids that close differently, and they file their teeth, and they prefer human flesh. But other than that, they look just like us. Um, yeah, they could be a, a, you know, Chocho could be a cult, not a people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Or, or like, I, I treat them like uh, a genetic mutation after, like, you know, kind of like ghoulism, uh, but, like, different, like, actively hunting people kind of thing. Uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of different ways to handle the Miri Negri's uh, descendants. Um, you can treat the Miri Negri like uh, a... a, a, a uh, species that's still alive like maybe it's like a subset of the uh, deep ones or the deep ones are a subset of the very degree but you get more of a uh, 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 when they you know they specifically uh, crossbreed with people and you get kind of uh, well the very degree they're they're, they're more like uh, reptile fish people right yeah, um, amphibious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it, it could it kind could, of toad-like. Yeah, it, it could be a totally different uh, species that, when it breeds with humans, uh, you get this like hyper-aggressive uh, species that just wants to eat people. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we're totally getting off track here. We're not talking about the Chocho. That's a couple seasons away if we're going at this rate. Uh, but what we are talking about is uh, the followers of, like, who the possible followers and cultists of uh, Sean or Fawn could be. It doesn't necessarily have to be Chocho. It could, it could be all kinds of people who, you know, it doesn't have to be people of Indian descent. It doesn't have to be people... Zookeepers. Yeah, yeah, no, a no. Cult in the zoo. Yeah, no. Uh, what about you know? Uh, you have that friend, or or you have that professor that has like all kinds of you know their whole office is 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 uh, decorated in elephant stuff. You know, uh, zookeepers. Yeah, yeah. No, um, it's it's like I was thinking, who else would? Um, what 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 major? Institu- American institution is symboled by an elephant. <laughs> the GOP. Now I'm really going into danger, but you know, you know, maybe make it, maybe make a, you know, maybe this right wing break off extremist group. Oh, I just thought of one. Say you're playing bubble gumshoe, kind of like a uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of Scooby-Doo uh, sort of 
RPG. You could have your young Republicans at the high school actually be cultists of Sean or Fawn. Yeah. There we go, right there. Boom! <laughs> so, okay. All right. We're, we're, we're not saying all Republicans worship a monster. Um... <laughs> We're not saying that at all. We're talking about Sean or Fawn. Uh, it's just funny to be taken out of context. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anything else we can think of for Sean or Fawn there? That well, well, if you're going to do a modern one, uh-huh. you know what I would think would be sort of a fun call Cthulhu? Ooh, what's that? On the set of a Bollywood. Okay. You could have dancing, you could have actors, you could have food, you know, yeah. there's a big Bollywood movie, and, you know, all of a sudden things are going, I mean, everybody wants, eventually runs a, you know, a Hollywood one, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but, and, and and you're absolutely right, you know, we think Indian, Chinese, you could, it could be anything, it doesn't have to, just to throw people off, have nothing to do, but I would love to play a a one shot where where it's taking place in India mm-hmm. where you're making this beautiful wonderful um, you know song and dance movie and, and, you know you know, make the players role play it out and and then all of a sudden now we've got to fight off some sort of evil ooh I have an idea. Uh... Southern California, 1940s, uh, you uh, investigators are uh, sent to an animation studio where people keep dying. Uh, there's there's a, uh, a film that's being made, and uh, it's, 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 you know, uh, people keep trying to figure out what's going on, and slowly uh, stuff about Sean or Fawn keeps slipping into this, this, this children's film. And, uh, I don't know, like, something about Dumbo and Disney and, uh, Gumshoe. Not, not, not the game necessarily, but, like, detective work. Uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe kind of like L.A. Confidential meets Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Kind of a noir animation studio. Well, not like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. You don't have to have cartoons in it. But you know what I mean. Uh, Chinatown. Uh, (laughs) that kind of stuff. The the Maltese Elephant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, maybe, uh, cults fighting over a, uh, elephant statue, uh, gunfights, uh, on Hollywood Boulevard, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff. So, uh, one last, and I, and I know sure. we're probably running out of time, one last yeah. sort of Disney movie, uh-huh. um, Operation uh, Dumbo Drop, <laughs> where where the only way to fight off these evil spirits, you know, is, is to get this elephant into the jungle to protect this village you know the archaeologists have done something terrible uh or t- removed the protection now this village is dying mm-hmm. so the only way to fight this off is, is to get a, a live elephant back there oh yeah no that sounds like it would be something from like a delta green ops you know it's like <laughs> a, 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 1970s green or, or a cthulhu pulp yeah 1970s jungles of uh laos trying to get an elephant uh, back to a village so that you can fight off an evil force. All right, you you can you can steal that Ken or Scott. We 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 just want our names on part of it. All right. Um, yeah. Hey, you know what? I I've ran out of ideas. I I think you have too, Dave. 
Uh, pretty much. I think so. So, All right. uh, just wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Everyone, we are, yeah. While you're preparing your your uh, toast and or turkey, you know, listening to us, we are very thankful. And anyone out there who's making a turducken, I've done that in the past. Oh man, that it's 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 the boning the duck in the duck fat that is really the hard part and just uh i want to say keep a uh, vessel of hot water nearby so that you can clean your boning knife off repeatedly with the duck okay and um anyone who's making pumpkin pie i uh i i don't know i i, I wish you the best of luck i i i want to say um, I'm not using content. You know what? I'm not even going to talk about pumpkin pie. Okay. Anyway, everyone, have a th- good Thanksgiving. We'll see. You. Have a, just have a little pumpkin pie with your whipped cream. Yeah, yeah. And we will see you in December. We will have more spooky stories and more Cthulhu and Dungeons and Dragons for you. All right. Yes. We'll see you later, everyone. Bye. That was a good episode. (laughs) Listeners, remember to rate and review. Tell your friends, tell your ma, tell your pa, or I'll ship you down to Arkansas. Happy Thanksgiving. It's officially the start of the holiday season. Get your friends a cool t-shirt. I don't know why I'm singing. Everyone, thank you so much for listening and making this year an awesome year. Making this November probably one of the greatest Novembers in the show series. You're awesome. You deserve a pat on the back, high five, fist bump, elbow bump, foot fives, whatever. And we will see you in December. We're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff. Look in the show notes to find out what we're talking about. And also check out our sponsors. Our sponsors help us stay on the air. And also they help us, I don't know, give you good deals and avoid scamazon. All right. Have a good one.